Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This is Julie Henriquez, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Kristen LaPianca to the podcast today. Kristen's the author of the Roxanne Weary Mystery Series. Her debut, The Last Place You Look, won the Seamus Award for Best First P.I. Novel and was also nominated for Anthony McCavity Awards. The second book in the series, What You Want to See, won Seamus and Goldie Awards. She's a co-founder of the feminist podcast, Unlike likable female characters and currently serves as chapter president for the Midwest region of Mystery Writers of America. She lives in Columbus, Ohio with her partner and two cats. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm delighted to have this conversation. Um, we have a lot to talk about, uh, and I want to talk about your series in a, a little while, but let's start at the beginning, as I tend to do in this podcast, and um, talk about your writing journey and how it started. When did you say to yourself, I want to write a book? So I think I've always kind of thought of myself as a writer, and I always wanted to write a book, but I had the problem of not actually finishing anything ever uh, for a long time. And it wasn't until about, um, oh, I would say 14 years ago that I was like, okay, let's try to actually write a book. And I sat down and I I wrote a book in a month and a random April and it wasn't very good and it will never see the light of day again, but uh, it showed me that I could do that. And after that, yeah. I was like, cool, even though that was terrible, like, let's do it again. <laughs> Well, it's an apprenticeship, right? When you're when you take on a craft like writing, yeah. you get better every time. You get better, but you have to write that terrible <laughs> first book to learn how to write a yes. book. And it's not yeah. even just the terrible first book. I mean, I'm there's I have terrible books two, three, and four as well before I finally <laughs> before I finally nailed it. But <laughs> and was it for you always going to be crime? Were those first four books crime novels yes. or, or have you written in other genres as well? So I, before I even knew that I wanted to be a writer, I knew that I loved mysteries. Um, the first mystery I ever read, it was this um, middle grade book called Sam the Cat Detective. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's like, it's honestly, if you, if you like mysteries, you would like it as an adult because, um, you know, it's about a cat detective, obviously, but it's a very well-constructed, um, mystery. And it's like, it's a really nice homage to a certain type of novel, you know, the, the, the hard boiled gumshoe, which like, as a kid, I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was this whole genre full of books like that. I just knew that, wow, that book was about a cat detective and he was awesome. So um, <laughs> I really kind of fell in love with mysteries there. I really grew up reading mysteries. I always knew I wanted to read them for my whole life. But when I sat down to write, um, everything that I write has a crime in it. There's just not possible for me to write something without a crime, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I did always know. And my first couple manuscripts were, um, they were not really similar to what I am writing now, but they were in that crime genre that really kind of got me started. Yeah. 
And so how did you, you, you wrote 14 years ago, you sat down for a month, sort of like NaNoWriMo works mm-hmm. like this, but you, you wrote that first book. Had you taken classes or workshops or did you, had you been reading things? What, what sort of gave you the confidence to finally say, yeah, this time I'm going to finish. I don't know. I think it, it, I didn't really, um, I didn't even really like set out to write a book in a month or even to write a book. I actually had, um, I had an idea that I had been, kind of playing around with for a couple of years. And one day I kind of randomly thought, what if I'm trying to tell the story from the wrong point of view? And I had the thought of maybe mm-hmm. the story should be from this other point of view. And so I started playing with that and I liked it. And unlike anything else that I had written up until that point, I never got sick of it. I never stopped. I just kept going. And then suddenly it was finished. <laughs> so it was kind of like kind of an accident, I guess but a happy accident for sure. And now since then, have you taken workshops or, you know, had a writing coach or how have you developed your craft by writing? Um, or, you know, do you have, are you in a writing group or how, how do you do, how do you work on what's your process? like? So whenever anyone asks me about my process, I'm like, I wish I had like a cool process. <laughs> my process is basically like throwing spaghetti at the wall, um, honestly, but Mm-hmm. I was part of um, the Pitch Wars program that I know a lot of people are familiar with in 2015. So um, if anyone doesn't know, Pitch Wars is basically an online mentorship opportunity where you get paired up with a published writer to work on your manuscript for a period of a couple of months. Um, and I had sort of entered, like like everything, I had entered Pitch Wars kind of on a whim. I had like I had heard about it the previous year, but I didn't have a finished manuscript at the time. And so then when I heard about it again, I was like, oh yeah, that, that, um, maybe I'll try that. Didn't have very much confidence um, in my writing. Hadn't really had any success with any, anything writing related. Like I hadn't really been published anywhere, uh, but I just decided, you know what? I wrote this novel. I kind of like it. Let's see what happens. Uh, and so I entered what ultimately became the last place you look in pitch wars and absolutely shocked and stunned when I was selected. I was mentored by Kelly Garrett, who is incredible, of course, and very well known in the sisters in crime world. I know. Um, and she, she taught me all of the things about writing that I never knew I didn't know. Um, and so she really was really instrumental in, in teaching me the right way to tell a story because, you know, I, I feel that a strength of mine has always been the actual language, but um, pacing and plotting and the correct, you know, beats of a story, that was something that I didn't really know anything about. I was just kind of like, the story is how it is. This, this is how it occurred to me. I'm just going to write it that way. And now it's done. Like, I didn't understand that it's okay to like, think about pacing. It's okay to manipulate the storyline so that suspense falls the right way. I didn't know any of that. Um, but Kelly taught me all about it. So, uh, that's really pretty much my writing education. I would say is what I learned in pitch wars. So that's an amazing, um, you know, uh, advertisement or, or, um, you know, positive thing to say about pitch wars. Mm -hmm about which I've heard so many great things. And of course, Kelly Garrett is known in Sisters in Crime, but also is one of the um, co-founders of Crime Writers yes. of Color. She's got a big book coming out next year. I mean, she's she's uh, a great example of, of giving back mm-hmm. 
um, to the community as well, which I also think is something that is, uh, as are you. Um, and we could talk about that because I think that ethos of community is really important. But when you talk about her helping you with pacing and suspense, I, you know, so often early career writers don't understand they think, feel like they're doing it wrong if it's not perfect. They don't understand that you editing and fixing stuff is is the job. Yes. I mean, that's that's what works. For sure, yeah. I think that there's like this idea that like it's supposed to come out of you fully formed or something like and be complete right. and finished. And it's like, that's definitely not true. Um, I feel like after I finish a draft of a book, the very first thing I have to do is go back in and put all of the events in a different order. Cause I wrote it like, even though I think in my head, I'm writing this in the correct order. Um, I'm wrong about that. Like that's something that is always part of my process. Like these, these events need to move to make this feel more suspenseful. And, you know, it's like, it, it feels a little manipulative at first. You're like, I don't know, is this okay? But of course it's okay. Like you're, you're creating this story. It can be whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and you're creating the world, yeah. which is fun, but it's also daunting. Yes. So um, can we talk a little bit about Roxanne mm-hmm. and and how she came into being? And so that's the that's the book that got you your Pitch Wars mentor, yes. um, you know, and that is it's a it's quite the um process to be chosen to to um have a mentor and everything else i know a few people have gone um through it with varying degrees of success Mm so obviously this character and the series connected um with with the pitch wars folks on a level uh had it connected with you as well did you feel like oh this is the book this is the one that's gonna Um, (laughs) that's working it was definitely the the manuscript of mine that I liked the most, but I had not very much confidence at all in anything. Cause it's like, it's, you know, I, it's sometimes I would think like, oh, this is good. But other times I'm like, who, who am I to think that I can write detective novels? Like I'm just some girl, you know, <laughs> like, so um, I like, I hoped that something good would happen with it. But uh, whenever I talk about Pitch Wars, I always tell the story of how, when it was time to um, apply, the way that it worked at the time was you kind of had to like click through um, all of the mentors wish lists to find out what type of manuscript they were looking for. There wasn't any way to like sort it or filter it. So, you know, you would click through young adult, fantasy, middle grade, contemporary, and there wasn't a way to just say like, I want to see adult mystery. So I was clicking through them and I was reading them and I was like, you know, I'm not going to get picked for this. Should I even continue reading through these? Um, right. Like, should I even bother filling this out? And I almost like, I almost didn't. Cause that was kind of how, like how small the chance was. I thought that I would actually get picked. I was like, there's no point in doing this, but you know, in this one occasion, um, laziness did not win out and I <laughs> persevered, like found my little list of people who were looking for adult mysteries. Uh, and I did, I submitted it. And then Um, I think, I think it was like the next day I got an email from, uh, from Kelly asking for more pages because of the submission is like the first 15 pages or whatever. So she wanted, you know, to see the whole manuscript. And like, I was just like stunned. I was like, this is enough. If nothing else happens with this, (laughs) I can die happy now. She wanted to see more of it. So, um, that was really exciting. Um, and 
yeah. So it's like, even just that was a huge boost in, in the confidence that I had. Um, I honestly forget what your question was. <laughs> well, my question was about Roxanne and her coming into being yes. and how, how did she show up in your life? Like, this is the point of view. This is my story. I'm going to be a series or how did that work? Yeah. So, um, before I started on that tangent about pitch wars, um, I was going to say that the things that I had written before, um, I think they were more like me trying to write a mystery rather than me trying to write something as myself. Like it was just more, mm-hmm. I don't want to say derivative, although that might be the right word for it. It was just emulating other types of books. It wasn't like a thing that was like mine with my stamp on it, I guess. So when I came up with this idea for uh, Roxy Weary, it just, everything about it felt more real to me because I was, you know, the story is set in the town where I live. Um, like I was writing from the point of view of a bisexual woman, which I also identify as, and just like a lot of, like, it, it was less me trying to write a certain way and just sort of letting, letting what came out naturally happen. So it felt just a lot more personal and real and, and vibrant to me, um, when I kind of thought of this character and I got, I got the idea of Roxanne herself, like long before I had a plot in mind for, um, the story. So I just had this idea of this woman who is an absolute mess, but she's also a really great detective when she lets herself be one. And I think there's so many like messy male characters in the genre, not nearly enough messy women who are just like disasters. Like there's, you know, there's a certain type of like, oh, she drank a Diet Coke for breakfast. What a mess. Like that's not the kind of disaster character (laughs) I wanted to write about. Like there's plenty of hard drinking, messed up relationship, you know, male detectives, not, not enough women. So I kind of wanted to write that type of, of person. Um, and I wanted to give her this like really dysfunctional family. Um, she's mourning the death of her father, not because she had a great relationship with him, but because she had a terrible relationship with him. And now she doesn't know Mm -hmm. what to do with herself because hating her father was part of her life for so long. Um, and so like, that was kind of the idea that I had before I figured out what the story was actually going to be about. Uh, and really from the beginning, Roxanne did feel like special to me. Like this was someone I wanted to, to like listen to, I guess, because to me, you know, writing is really like listening to what the characters are saying. And so she was someone who felt really vivid and I wanted to hear what she had to say. And the, and the world wanted to hear what she um, had to say as yes, well. And she found, yeah, she found a path which hasn't always uh, been easy for a character of strong female, messy protagonist who identifies as bisexual has not always been easy to find a publishing path for. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with yes, that? Statement? I do, yes. And it's still not super easy um for for those characters but she did find her path and has gotten um accolades since yes. uh, you know because she's relatable i mean <laughs> as you said people who are perfect or their worst vices diet coke for <clears throat> breakfast are not as relatable to right. other people exactly yeah. yeah yeah i'm really happy that um you know her story was able to find a home with uh, Minotaur, 
uh, because there are so many books about queer characters that don't find homes with mainstream publishers. And so that's, that's right. a really huge, like, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. And for folks listening, uh, you know, why that makes a difference is because publishers like Minotaur have distribution mm-hmm. channels and they get into bookstores e- more easily. And that makes a difference. Yes. I mean, it really makes a difference. Um, and Roxanne Weary is a fabulous <laughs> name. Did you make <laughs> that up or did like, how did that come up? Cause naming characters is really hard. Naming characters is hard. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very fussy about names. I hate it when I'm reading a book and there's two names that sound sort of similar or like, even if they're not that similar, I'm just like those two names, you can't have those names in a book. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, I knew that I wanted to name this character Roxanne because I think it's just like, it's the perfect name for her. It's like, it's cool. And it's like a little bit sexy. And it's also a little bit like edgy with that X in the middle. And it just like, mm-hmm. I also am a huge fan of the writer Roxanne Gay. Um, and she spells her mm-hmm. her name Roxanne the same way, one N, um, not two Ns, which is the more common spelling. But uh, I knew the name Roxanne was her name from, you know, the beginning, but her last name I wasn't sure about. And I was watching TV one day and I saw an actor's name on the screen. There's an actor named Jake Weary. And I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's her name. (laughs) So uh, it just sort of came like that, um, which, you know, I'm really happy with it, with how the name came out. So. And tell us about how you came up with the other characters in the series. It was really just kind of a matter of like, I don't know, like watching in my mind what Roxanne's doing and seeing who pops up into her life. Like, I, I like the idea of her, her super dysfunctional family. She's got a very nice but kind of clueless mom. She has two older brothers, one of whom is a dick and the other one who she likes a lot, but he's a drug dealer. Um, so, you know, she's got kind of a, a messy family situation. She has two pretty significant um, relationships going on in her life. One with um, a police detective, Tom, who is her her deceased father's former partner on the police force. And the other is a woman named Catherine that Roxanne has known since high school. And so uh, they both relationships have a really big pull on her. Uh, One of them is obviously more healthy than the other. Uh, But, you know, I think those having those that push and pull is a lot of fun to write about. Um, And then really the supporting characters that are more related to the plot just kind of they they emerged as I was thinking about the story and trying to figure out the best way to tell it. And you, uh, these books are PI. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, in the crime writing genre, you have to, you have to pick your subgenres <laughs> and figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, did you always want her to be a PI as opposed to traditional or you know whatever there's so many other ways of going it was that always the genre yes that you were looking yes. for some of the other things that I've written were more, like more police procedural with a, a police detective character um but with Roxanne I knew I wanted to write a private investigator uh, partly because I have just loved reading those series my whole life like there's so many good ones and I I wanted to do that so uh, that's part of it but I also really like the particular freedom that a PI has, because, you know, unlike an amateur detective, this is someone who knows 
about how to ask questions and they know about investigation and they have access to certain tools and they have a lot of savvy regarding this world. Uh, but um, they, unlike a police detective, they uh, don't have any real authority, but they also don't have as many rules. So it's kind of the sweet spot between the two where, you know, it's someone who can pretty much do what they want, but also like they're still a professional investigator. And so I really wanted to, to like play with that. So that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it would be a very different story if it had been either an amateur detective story or a, a journalist or a police detective. Like I think having Roxanne be a PI is really like part of, part of the, the whole, like the cases that she investigates, she would only be investigating these in that sort of situation. Uh, so that's kind of how she ended up that way. I mean, I, I love PI series too. And, and, uh, you know, have, have read many, uh, Linda Barnes and, you know, Robert B. Parker. I mean, where I live or, or some, um, great series, but I always think of them as, as really difficult because you do need to, um, walk that fine line and make sure that you under, that you are telling the reader, I understand that we're skirting a line here and I know where the line Mm -hmm. is because otherwise the reader will just throw it across the room but so you need to know a lot about the law and about being a pi and all that sort of thing did you go to any you know police academy things or or how did you get or is this from reading or do you make it up mostly i make it up um i haven't gone to any of the super cool like writers police academy type things that exist out there or anything um i did a few police ride-alongs just to sort of get a sense of the way cops talk to each other and talk about things but as far as the private investigator stuff just a lot of just a lot of googling and falling down the rabbit hole of like okay now i'm on page 17 of the search results about Ohio private investigator licenses. And sometimes when you get like really, really deep, you can find some gems. Like you can find like some, some PDF that's been uploaded to some organization's website. That's like their manual. And it's like, yes, this is gold. This is like (laughs) catnip for writers. It's so boring, but it's perfect. So, uh, just stuff like that. Now, Google, I, I don't know how people uh, wrote before Google. No. I mean, oh obviously they did, and I'm <laughs> old enough that <laughs> I remember pre-Google days, but because it's just that uh, research you can do from your couch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you just had to leave your house more often back then. <laughs> I guess so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're back to it's it's good we have Google these days. Um, so let's talk about the publishing journey, the writing journey, and you're making up and you're building your world and you're working, you know, Roxanne has shown up in your life and sort of said, I want to tell you some stories. Um, and you, you join Pitch Wars and you get a fabulous mentor. You know, what's, what was your journey like after that? And, and what about your publishing journey surprised you? I loved when you talked about even having the request for a full manuscript from Kelly was like, I won. And I, that's important to take these, you know, being accepted, asking for full, I, all of these are things to celebrate as yes. well because publishing is tough. Yes. Um, but what? Tell me about how that journey worked and what surprised you about it. Sure. So um, the way Pitch Wars is set up is you have this mentorship period of a couple months, and it's all kind of leading up to what they call uh, the agent showcase, where 
there's a special Pitchfork's website where your the first like page or two of your manuscript gets posted, and there are various literary agents who've signed on to participate to specifically come onto the site and read through those and make requests. Um, <clears throat> so it's just kind of like a little a little bit of you know a, a way to avoid the slush pile or to to sort of. Mm-hmm you know, get a different avenue other than just submitting a query the old fashioned way. So, you know, in Pitch Wars, uh, I got a fair number of requests and I uh, sent out my, sent out the materials and my manuscript and queried some other agents who weren't participating in Pitch Wars. And I did that. And this was like, this was like in November of, I guess, 2015. It was a Friday. So it's like, okay, sent that out, going on vacation not even going to think about it because like publishing is a long journey and there can be literally months or years in which nothing happens and it's not even unusual. So I was just like, okay, I'm just, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to, I'm going to Delaware. I'm going to Rehoboth beach and that's that. So, um, I wasn't expecting anything at all to happen, but then the following Monday, um, it was back at my job, sitting at my desk and my phone rang and it was just like, whatever, my phone's ringing. So I answered it just like, hello, like at my desk. And it was, um, Jill Marshall who ultimately became my agent. And she was calling to talk about my manuscript. And I had, she wasn't one of the pitch wars agents. She was someone that I queried at the, at the same time. Uh, and I was just like, so shocked to, I wasn't, because I wasn't even expecting to hear from anyone yet. It was just utterly shocking to me, uh, to get a phone call like that. And also it's, it's a little unusual to just skip right to the phone call step. There's usually like an email. <laughs> there was no email, right. just a, a phone, a phone call that I, I answered. Uh, and I was so shocked that I like couldn't think of any questions to ask her. I felt like such a moron after I hung up. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, what's happening. Um, but she, you know, was talking about, she liked the manuscript and she could really see it as a series. Uh, and I was thinking like, Oh, cool. What's happening right now? Is this like a revise and resubmit situation? What's going on? And so at the end, I was after she was done talking, I said like, okay, so what are the next steps? And she offered to represent me. And I just like, it was so shocking. I can't even tell you. I was in a conference room <laughs> at my office and I was just like, what is happening? It was so crazy to me. Um, and like, I was so unprepared that I didn't even know you're, that it's customary to ask for two weeks to notify other agents. So I was, I told her I would let her know in one week and, you know, I was very like, wow. So after, after that, I had to like do a lap around the building to calm down because it was so exciting um, and shocking. And Jill is uh, a fantastic mystery agent. So it was just like, it was, it was just like, <laughs> possibly the most exciting day of my publishing journey, just because it was so like, it was so unexpected and so exciting Um, because it's not easy to even get a response from a query. And so many of them, you just never hear back. And I had actually, I had tried querying with uh, two other projects in the past um, and I didn't get very much success. I got like one or two requests for partial manuscripts, which was exciting, but, um, then didn't hear anything. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's a hard process to, to go through because not only is sharing your work really like vulnerable, like telling the world, like, Hey, I wrote this thing and now I want to show it to you. Like, so you feel like vulnerable, but it's also like, because it can take a long time and it's really inconsistent. Like you might hear back in 
an hour, or you might hear back in nine months, or you might hear, you might get a rejection from an agent a year after your book's been published. Like that literally happened Mm -hmm. to me. So (laughs) it's just like, you know, it's, it's really, it's really tough to, to hang in there. And I think I was so ready for it to be difficult that when it turned out to be easy, it was just, it was an absolute shock. Um, so I did wind up signing with, with Jill a week later. Um, and then from that point we did uh, a few rounds of edits between Jill and myself. And then the following January, so about two months after I had signed with her, uh, she started submitting to publishers and by the end of the month, Mm -hmm. uh, she had sold it. So that part happened really fast. And like it, I, I know how abnormal that is because it can take so long to find an agent and so long to find a publisher. And there are plenty of amazing books that never find either, you know? So it's just like, um, I'm, I'm still in a little bit of shock about it, honestly, that it actually happened for me, but yeah, it went, it went really fast. Um, and then a year and a half after that, the book was out in the world. Um, so it was really pretty crazy from the time that I finished writing it to the time it was on shelves was less than two years, which is pretty quick wow. for, for publishing. Very quick for publishing. But it it also, you know, going back to what you said, I want to uh, highlight a couple of things. One, uh, you know, the Roxanne and that book, weren't your first time writing, but those are the, that's when it all started to gel and come together. So that's, it, it was the project that mattered. I also loved what you said and want to highlight about how um, hard it is to submit your things, your, your work and put it out into the world. And I do think that that's a very brave thing that writers don't always give themselves enough credit for. Yeah, I agree. Um, because it's very vulnerable, very vulnerable to put your work out there. It is. And it's like to to put it out there and then just to like, you're like, okay, let the rejections roll in. Like you have to just accept them. And it's like, no matter how thick your skin is, like getting rejections isn't fun for anyone ever. It never, yeah. it never stops being like a little bit painful. Like even after you've been published and have won awards, a rejection still feels like, ow, like doesn't feel good. So to, to sort of willingly sign up for this experience of like, here's my heart. Now you can stab it. Like, you know, writers should give themselves a lot of credit for that because it's scary. It's like, you know, it's like singing karaoke. It's like, that's not something that everybody can do. (laughs) Right. Well, it's also subjective. <clears throat> you can have an agent who, uh, you know, turns something down and then accepts something later. Mm-hmm. And publishing is very subjective. The same editor, um, depending on the sales meeting they just came to, can say yes or no. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all human. Yes. It's a very human industry, yes, um, which is challenging. So, Kristen, when did you join or add Sisters in Crime to your publishing journey? You know, I'm not sure. It was definitely before I, um, it was before Pitch Wars. So I knew, I knew that Sisters in Crime was something that I could benefit from. I don't remember exactly when it was. I feel like maybe, like maybe, maybe two years before I actually um, Mm -hmm. had a, a manuscript that was going somewhere. And yeah, just like having access to um, the community resources 
was really valuable. And I wish that I had been involved longer and gone to meetings, you know, before I'm like anyone who knows me knows I'm not really a meeting goer. I'm not a joiner, but, um, I have really benefited from, uh, some of the sisters in crime programming and just having that network, I think is really important, especially for people who are at the very beginning of the career. Once you've, uh, once you've like landed your book deal and you're off and running, like at that point, like there's less for you to learn. There's certainly still tons of benefits in being a part of something like that. But um, early career writers can really benefit hugely from that opportunity to really belong to a circle of like minds. Yeah, I, I, the writing journey can feel so solitary, but having other writers and knowing them and being able to have a conversation uh, where you don't have to explain <laughs> things yes. um, is really helpful. It is, um, it is, because like, you know, for people who aren't writers, who aren't in publishing, you tell them that you wrote a book and they're like, you should just send it to every publisher in New York. And it's like, yeah. thank you for your advice. That was helpful. <laughs> So it's really good to be able to talk to people who understand that that is absurd. <laughs> right, right. Or who also, when you, you know, support you when you need it, but who you can call and say, I got a rejection letter and they have a solidarity. Yes. Of, you know, okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, what do you wish, what advice would you give your younger self on this writing journey? Um, I would probably tell myself to learn how to finish things sooner or not, not even learn, but just let myself finish things sooner. I definitely struggle. Um, even now as like, I don't like to write messily. Um, I like to write pretty cleanly mm-hmm. and it, in some ways that's good because a lot of, um, a lot of the time I finish my first draft and with the exception of changing the order of all of the events, like there are huge sections where this is basically good to go. Like, so, you know, I, I tend to write pretty close to like, it's pretty polished when, when I'm done with it. But, uh, the downside of that is not just being able to get past something when I'm, if I'm not quite sure how to say it, or I'm not quite sure what needs to happen, I can get really stuck and just sort of not make any progress. So I would tell my younger self to really get a handle on just, it's okay to just, you know, put brackets and write something happens and then skip ahead. (laughs) Cause that's something that I, you know, I, even now I have to really work to give myself permission to do. Do you plot or are you a pantser? I'm, I am organically, I am a pantser. I, but I learned from, from Kelly in Pitch Wars, the real value of doing a little bit of plotting in terms of that pacing and that story arc and just how it all falls together. Uh, Cause without it, you can mm-hmm. get so off track. Um, you can, you know, write 40,000 words that are just completely wrong because you, weren't keeping an eye on pacing. Um, and some of the feedback that I had gotten, uh, when I first tried querying with different projects, I got some feedback that was like, um, your writing is great, but there's no story. And I, that is true. (laughs) Those books did not have a plot. Uh, (laughs) and so like, I have a kind of a natural tendency. I think like, I I just want to write about people having conversations and Mm -hmm. like, that's what I, that's what I love. And if I'm not careful, I've written, like an entire act of the book where literally nothing has happened. So having a little bit of an eye for plotting really helps with that. 
Um, I don't get too crazy. I'm really amazed by people who have outlines that are like 75 or hundred pages. I'm just like, I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's more like, you know, one or two pages, but I've very clearly delineated. Okay. This is act one. This is act two. This is act three, because just keeping that in mind, even though, even though readers don't perceive a book in act when they read it, um, it just mm-hmm. helps me really keep an eye on where these events need to be happening in order to maintain the suspense and, and keep things moving. And without that, like it can just, it can just get wild. So that's another thing that I learned from Kelly um, is just how to keep it from getting too crazy and spiraling out into outer space, because that is my, like my natural tendency, I think is to not think about events and just think about people and characters and characterization and the, the, the internal journey. Uh, so it's kind of ironic that I, I write mysteries given that like the plot part is not uh, the first thing in my mind, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, I, I think that your characters and your, that, that interest that you have in characters is what helps your books rise to the level that they rise because you are spending that time on character and the plot's important, but you know, you're you're focusing on that. Um, So another, just out of curiosity, are you, do you use word or do you use Scrivener or do you use another tool for writing? So I, uh, I use Scrivener um, with my current, my current work in progress, which has given, has been giving me absolute fits uh, is during this time, like it's been so hard for me to write during the pandemic. Just, I know everyone is mm-hmm. struggling and it's just been so hard for me. Um, but I wound up having, I wound up spending so much time in Scrivener that I got sick of looking at it. And I'm currently finishing my draft in uh, Google docs of all things. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely hate writing in word. Like I hate, I hate word as a program. Um, I don't even think I have it anymore on my computer. I, I'm a Mac user, so I use pages sometimes if I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like, um, one thing that I really love about Scrivener is its ability to like help you organize all of your thoughts, um, which is just so incredible. Like you can, you can have like sort of separate mini files within the same actual file, um, which is just amazing. And it's really, really helpful for reorganizing events uh, and just for keeping plotting in mind. But um, I spent so much time like putting in all of this information that was not my actual story. I was just like, I was, I was so deep in Scrivener. I was like, I cannot, I need to step out of this. Or I'm not going to get <laughs> anything written. Um, so I'm trying to write a standalone mystery. That's not part of my series. Um, and I thought this idea was brilliant when I, sold it, which was before the pandemic. And then, you know, all hell broke loose and it's been, it's been a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, but definitely, definitely Scrivener, but, um, I can, I can write in pretty much anything as long as it's not word. (laughs) Well, and the reason I ask about Scrivener is because when you said you have to reorder events it's just so much easier to click and drag and to do that in Scrivener than it is to try and cut and paste in Google Docs and not lose work yes for sure it's (laughs) yeah it's amazing and it's also like it's it's really great because it helps you visualize what's happening in a different way like um if you've kind of you know you can really just like at a glance see a brief description of the scenes that you've written and you can tell like 
why are there so many like emotional beats happening in a row? I need to move these around. So it's really easy to do that. Um, It's a really very powerful tool. tool. Anytime people are like, it's too complicated. I'm like, it doesn't have to be too complicated. You can definitely go too far with it as I did last year, but um, it's really, it's not, it's not so complicated that you should avoid it because it's a really, really good tool. It's a really good tool. So you said you're working on a standalone. Uh, Is that, you know, how is that as opposed to writing a series and and everything else? Because you're, you know, with a standalone, you got to create everything and encapsulate it all within 400 pages or whatever. Yes, it's very, very different. Uh, And I feel like I... I set I set an ambitious uh, challenge for myself when I when I came up with this because it's um, so it's a standalone. It has three point of view characters and two timelines. Um, and wow, the version of me in the fall of 2019 was really ambitious and upbeat about the future. <laughs> it's like next year is going to be awesome. Going to write this awesome book and <laughs> then we all know what happened in 2020. So. Um, I'm still working on it, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely very different from writing a series. It's very different from writing a, a, a first person sort of voice driven, um, mm-hmm. like it's serious, but also not super serious. Roxanne's voice is like, it's very cynical, but also, you know, she uses humor a lot. Um, in my work in progress, it's, it's, it's a bit more serious in tone, um, written mm-hmm. in third person. I have the three different characters and the two timelines. So, you know, it's just, um, it's very, very different, but it's also really rewarding because it, you know, gives access to, you know, a whole other kind of writing tension when you have these multiple points of view where the reader can be aware of something that the two characters aren't aware of, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't something that you can do in like the first person PI novel what you what the reader knows is what the detective knows and so right. you know that's that's great and that's one type of way to do a story but having that sort of like dramatic irony is um also really very powerful and are the timelines very separate i mean are they is is part of a historical uh no so so the book uh centers around a high school senior named Eve who goes missing after attending um, a youth group activity at a corn maze, that classic Midwestern fall destination. And um, Eve is one of the points of view, the woman who's missing, the girl who's missing, but her her timeline is one year in the past. So sort of explaining how she got to the moment that she goes missing. And the other two timelines are um, circa the present. One of them is, um, one of Eve's friends, mothers, who's also, um, a cop in the small town. And the third is, uh, someone who works at their school. And those two are set in the time that Eve is missing. So it's like, it's going back and forth, but only, you know, about a year into the past. Um, it's fun, but it's tricky. No, it sounds really tricky, but it sounds really exciting. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, no pressure, but keep going. 
um so when you're writing could you read are you reading anything right now or you know there's some authors who can't read while they're in the middle of writing or some who do or well I tend to I tend to read a lot of uh nonfiction when I'm like actively drafting just because I I like not having other fictional stories in my head um but since since you know the past year and a half has been so hard it's sort of like whatever gets you through the day so I've been doing some reading I recently finished um My Sweet Girl by Amanda Giatissa and it's it I think it comes out next week it comes out in mid-September um and it was fantastic and it made me so excited because it's just like sometimes you can forget that there are totally different ways to tell stories from the ways mm-hmm. that we think about, um, you know, story starts at the beginning and it goes to the end. And that's that, like this book really made me feel like, you know, it was encouraging about my project because like, I'm trying to do something that's, you know, a little more complex too, but also it's just, it's so amazing to see new voices, uh, new diverse voices, especially showing up in the world with these absolutely like gorgeous splashy thrillers i was so excited to see mm-hmm. what happens with this book it's amazing yeah it's a it i think we're living in a golden age yes. of, of mysteries uh, it's a it's an amazing time especially as you said and you're it's so true i agree i have the same experience reading something that isn't of my world's view <laughs> but helps me see the world differently mm-hmm. and just it's it's just such a wonderful time to be a reader yes. it really yes is. it really is <laughs> Um, Kristen, what a great conversation. And I'll let you get back to your book because you're working on that. Um, But thanks so much for being on the podcast and for being a member of Sisters in Crime. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.